1: City Christian Church, we're glad you've taken time to join us. You could have been a lot of other places this morning, but we're glad you chose to be here with us today. If you're watching us online, we want to say welcome to you as well. We're going to hang out together for about 65 minutes this morning. If you've got some room in the road which you're on this morning, if you don't mind sliding in a little bit, we still got people that are uh, coming in. We want to make sure we can get them space. You know, this is something we do every Sunday here at Capital City, but today it is extra special. Today we join with fellow believers all over the world to celebrate the greatest event that has ever taken place. Isn't it awesome to look around the room this morning and see people of all sorts joining us? Young and old, male and female, people who have lived all of their lives in Frankfurt, people who have come here from other cities, even other states, people from different backgrounds and different races, people who didn't know each other until they decided to call this place home. In our time together this morning, we're going to sing some songs. We don't care if you can sing or not, just sing out this morning. We're going to share in some rituals that might seem strange if you've never been here before, but they hold great meaning to us. We're going to listen to a talk about this man named Jesus and who he is and why we celebrate him. You see, we do this every Sunday because we believe our purpose in this life is to worship God, our Creator, and the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus. This is who we are. This is how we do life with him, for him, and his way. And we hope you'll join us in everything that we do today. We're here to worship a Savior who has risen. Let's do it this morning. Let those bones rattle.
0: Shout it out. We were the best.
1: This morning, go ahead and have a seat if you would. Uh, There's joy in the house of the Lord today, isn't there? Aren't you glad that stone rolled away and that grave opened up this morning? This is why we join together every Sunday to celebrate. And not just on Sundays, but every day that he gives us breath, we celebrate that death has been defeated and that the grave is empty. Again, we're glad that you're here with us today. My name is John Sutton. I'm the executive minister here at the church. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. Uh, We're just glad that you took time to come and be with us today on this day of worship. Got a couple of things coming up next Sunday that I want to let you know about that I hope maybe you'll come and be a part of. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to kick off a four-week Bible fellowship group for young couples. Uh, They'll be meeting in the loft, which is up on the third floor at uh, 9.30 a.m. This is a four-week study that's going to be led by Jordan Hall. They're going to be using uh, some Andy Stanley material called What Happy Couples Know. And there's no sign-up required. Uh, all you got to do is show up. Uh, young couples, whether you got kids or not, come check it out. Uh, rumor has it that Jordan's going to provide Poppy's Donuts to those who are in attendance next Sunday. So uh, maybe that right there. If nothing else, if you don't have to listen to Jordan, at least come grab a donut, okay? But we hope you'll mark that down on your calendar. 930 next Sunday uh, for that new Bible Fellowship group that's going to start. Also next Sunday, following our 11 o'clock worship service, we have what we call our First Look Luncheon. And that's for those who are new to Capital City, maybe just checking us out, wanna find out a little bit more information about the church, find out who we are, where we're going, what we're doing. Uh, Give you a chance to meet some of our staff. Uh, That takes place after the 11 o'clock service. It'll be down in the gym. Uh, Lunch is provided. Uh, You don't have to bring anything other than yourself. And we hope that you'll stick around and join us for uh, that luncheon that'll follow uh, the 11 o'clock worship service. And again, both of those kick off next Sunday, and I hope that you'll come be a part of it. Again, we're just thrilled that you're here with us today. We're going to continue to worship, so let's do that now. Let's continue to lift our voices in song and praise to our Lord and Savior who has risen this day.
0: See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior played for me. My Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give. Of oh, the, oh, the glory and the honor to, to the, the Son, my sins are forgiven, my future is, my future is my heaven. Is I praise God, God for what He's, He's done. done and see. The freedom he has won, even death is dead and done. His life is overcome. Now speak, say the name.
1: Portion of our service holds a special meaning to us here at Capital City. Uh, if you've been here before, you're familiar with our worship stations around the room. If not, maybe you saw them as you came in this morning. There are tables sort of stationed all around this room. We call them our worship centers. On those tables are some different items that we're going to invite you to come and participate with us in here. In just a moment. Uh, the first thing I want to draw your attention to are what we call the communion emblems. On each of those tables, you'll you'll see a tray with some small pieces of bread in the center, and then some cups filled with juice around the outside of them there's also some pre communion cups on those tables as well that have the bread and juice in them you see our celebration today is because of what took place around these emblems just a few nights before jesus walked out of that tomb just before he was to be arrested and, and beaten and then nailed to a cross jesus met with his 12 followers and he tried to share with them what was going to happen my guess is they really didn't comprehend what was going to happen, but still the Bible tells us that he took some bread that was laying on the table and he told them that it symbolized his body which would be broken for them. And that when they ate that bread from that point forward, they were to remember what he had done for them. And the Bible also tells us that he took a cup which, which probably had wine in it and he told them that it symbolized his blood which was about to be shed. So that all who would would believe in him could receive forgiveness. Today we share these emblems each week to remind us of what Jesus did for us. And even though his death, his crucifixion was horrific, the fact that he walked out of that grave gives us reason to celebrate every Sunday in this time of remembrance. Also on those tables you'll see a black box that says offering on it. Offering is our gift that we give back to God because of His goodness towards us. We believe here that that is part of our worship of God. It's a gift. Not something that we give begrudgingly, but because we want to. So that this ministry can continue to have an impact here in our community, in our our county, our state, our country, our world in which we live. If you're a guest with us today, please, please, please do not feel like we're asking you to give, that you have to feel obligated to give. Offering is for those who call Capital City home to be able to give back from what God has blessed them with. And then you also see uh, some small plastic containers there on those tables with some gold-colored linchpins in them. We would ask that each person who's here this morning, that during these next few moments, that you make your way to one of those stations and that you grab those linchpins as well before returning to your seat. Would you pray with me? father again we're thankful for this day that you've blessed us with father we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come into this place and to worship you father we come to worship you because of your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness that you've extended to us father most of all we come to worship you because of of what you and your son did for us and Jesus we are so grateful that you were willing to do what your father asked that you were willing to come to this earth, be born of a virgin, live a life that showed us what truly living for God was all about, and then be willing to sacrifice your life, endure the cruelest form of punishment known to man so that our sins could be forgiven. Lord, we thank you for these emblems that you've left us that remind us of your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. Father, we look forward, and Jesus, we look forward to that day when we get to share them with you. As you said, you won't do it again until we get to do it with you in heaven. And Jesus, we we so anticipate that day. But right now, Jesus, may these emblems remind us of what you went through for us. And may we celebrate because you no longer are in that tomb. And God, we also just thank you for the many blessings of life that you've poured out upon us. Lord, this morning we bring back a gift to you ourselves, our voices, maybe even a small token in an offering. God, we just ask that you would bless that gift, that you would multiply, that you would use it, you would use us to continue to share your message to this community, this world in which we live. Father, may we be a light that shines for you. We most of all thank you again for your son Jesus, for life that we have eternally because of what he did for us. It's in his name we pray. Come, make your way to the tables. Remember what he did.
2: pray together. Father, it's an honor to be here by your invitation. And we know that you're here with us. and For that, we're grateful. And now we pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, really glad you're here. If you're joining us online, really glad you're doing that. I hope you do sense the presence of God as well. Okay guys, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, we're going to talk about the single biggest decision that you're ever going to make in your life. Most people are clueless. I mean, I punched in the search string, biggest decisions people face, and the first hit I got was an article from Psychology Today, and here's their top five. Do I take the job or not? Do I get married or not? Do I go to college or not? Do I have a child or not? Do I buy a home? And all of those are big decisions, aren't they? Got to know. And then there are other decisions down the list. Do I quit my job? Do I move? Do I get a divorce? Do I get a pet? Do I start a romantic relationship? I was amused that a pet was above the romantic relationship. <laughs> start a business, take medicine. I mean, they're all important decisions, right? And all trivial compared to the big two. I mean, the biggest two don't even make their list they're clueless. Here they are. I mean, bottom line, guys, the two biggest decisions, questions, any man, woman, child, anywhere, any of us will ever have to answer. Number one, does God exist? Is there a God, big G God, not the little gods we mess with? Is there a God who is infinitely powerful, infinitely smart, infinitely holy, infinitely just, and yet still infinitely loving, who cares how we live? Either exists or he doesn't. And I'm telling you guys that the choice you make is going to take you down one of two very different paths. And you are betting your eternity on the answer, right? And number two, related question is that God revealed to us in and through Jesus? Is Jesus actually God in the flesh? Did the Creator Himself step into creation in the form of Jesus? does that infinitely powerful, infinitely holy God actually think we have a problem that is so big that he's got to die for us and even stay dead for a couple of days? (laughs) And so those are the two. Is there a God and is Jesus the Son of God? And here it is, guys. Those are not ideas that you get to agree with or not. Christianity is not some idea about God that you can like or not like. Christianity isn't a way of life or a religion, a set of rules that you can either opt in for or opt against. There is either a God or there's not. Jesus is either the Son of God or He's not. And the evidence for a God is flat out powerful. In fact, we've been unpacking that evidence for God ever since January, and we haven't even gotten to the coup de grace yet. That's where we're heading today. I mean, even without looking at Jesus, the stack of evidence that you can marshal pointing to a God is formidable. Now I know guys I cannot prove to you that there is a God and you cannot prove to me that there is not. But it is not a coin toss. It takes a way bigger leap of faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer in God. I mean just think about it. Here are just some of the highlights. Do you actually think that this finite universe that we are a part of could create itself out of nothing. Seriously? Or do you think it's more likely that an eternal, transcendent, omnipotent God got it all started? Now, if God created the world out of nothing, that would be a miracle. If the universe created itself out of nothing, that is superstitious magic. And then how did all the matter and the energy that there is end up forming the galaxies and the stars and the planets that we all are aware of. I mean the cosmologists tell us that the odds against an explosion of matter and energy coalescing into the universe as we know it without a designer is implausibly astronomical. And then the odds against life evolving from a lifeless primordial soup without a designer? Unbelievably astronomical. Without a god? Superstitious magic. With a God, simply a miracle. And then people are going to push back and they're going to say, how can there be a God if there's so much evil in the world? And you get to push back and say, how in the world did you ever get a sense of evil without a God? Where did that come from? You didn't get that from nature. Where do you get any notion of morality if there is no God? Where does right and wrong come from if there is no God? We've all got a moral system of some sort, right? We all muster up some moral outrage over something. But if everybody gets their own right and wrong, how do you justify any moral outrage at all? Or think about it. If there is no God, as one person put it, a rat is a pig is a dog is a boy, right? You are worth no more than the flies you swat and the ants that you step on. But... You sense you're more than that, and you sense the people around you are more than that, which is why things like generosity and compassion and respect, those ideas move you. Why is that? You can't explain that without a God. Or do you understand that without a God, there is no meaning, there is no purpose? You're just an accident. Everyone around you is just an accident, and life is meaningless. But you sense a purpose. Where'd that sense of purpose come from? It's a fingerprint of God, guys. And you look around and there's so many other fingerprints of God. How do you explain love without God? In some kinds of love, you can explain sexual love, friendship love, mother love maybe, but agape love, that selfless, unconditional, sacrificial love that you long for. How do you explain that without a God or beauty? You have this capacity to create beauty. You've got this capacity to appreciate beauty. You can't explain those capacities evolutionarily. They're fingerprints of God. The way Jesus' followers face death, a fingerprint of God, the obsession that we all have with happiness, an obsession that is never filled by all of the different ways we pursue happiness. And the idea that you've got this God-sized hole in your heart that can't be filled by anything except God and the joy you begin to experience when you finally let God take His rightful place. Those are all fingerprints of God. We've been unpacking this stuff for about four months. If you want to catch up, it's out there on YouTube or on our Facebook page. But here it is, guys. The biggest question you'll have to answer, is there a God? and he's given us more than enough evidence to answer that question if you are willing to follow the science. You see, for most people it's not about weighing the evidence. For most people it's more about whether I want to believe in God or not. When it comes to making a decision about God, most people just don't want a God. How about you? You want a God? And I know a lot of people are like, well, if there is a God and if God really wants me to believe in him, why doesn't he just prove himself to me, right? Show himself. Make me believe. If there really is a God, let me see him, hear him, touch him. If there really is a God, let him do some miracle that'll prove him. Heal my cancer, God. Straighten out my kid. Help me win the lottery or something. And God says, no. I've given you enough to believe in me if you want to, if you're willing but I'm not going to force you to believe in me if you don't want to. And then you start standing back and thinking about it. I mean, the idea that a creature as little as us would snap our fingers and demand anything from an infinite, omnipotent God is stupid. Kind of like an ant snapping his fingers at an elephant, only infinitely more absurd. So, we open our eyes and Open our minds and the fingerprints of God are everywhere. More than enough to convince us if we want to believe. We know he's there. We know he's powerful. We know he's smart. But is God good? Can you know God's heart? And Guys, that's what Jesus was all about. He is not only the final proof that there is a God case closed but he is also there to tell us what kind of God he is what God wants steps into our story gives us a way to see God hear him touch him even kill him for a moment you see guys that's where Christianity is so different that's where we're unique God steps into our world. God steps into our story. Did you know that Jesus is the only human being in history with a credible claim to be God? Well, we know that others have claimed to be God. I mean, guys like Jim Jones, David Koresh, Charles Manson, we lock them up as lunatics, right? Did you know that twice since I've been here at Capital City, four-year-olds have thought that I was God? (laughs) little kid right back there somewhere and watching me up here talking or something like that, and I stepped off stage, and the little four-year-old turns to mom, where did God go? I lose them by the time they're five. (laughs) But here it is, guys. No great moral teacher ever claimed to be God. In fact, all of the great moral teachers in history would have been horrified at such a claim. Muhammad never claimed to be God, Buddha never claimed to be God, Confucius never claimed to be God, guys like Abraham, Moses, David never claimed to be God, the greatest of all the philosophical thinkers, guys like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, they never claimed to be God. In fact, G.K. Chesterton said one time, not one of them ever made that claim, and here it is, the greater the man is, the less likely he ever will make that claim to be God. God. C.S. Lewis said if you'd gone to Buddha and said, Are you the son of Brahman? He'd have said, My son, you're still in the veil of illusion. If you'd gone to Socrates asked, Are you Zeus? he would have laughed at you. If you'd gone to Muhammad and asked, Are you Allah? he'd have torn his clothes and cut your head off. The idea of any great moral teacher saying the kind of things that Jesus did is out of question. Because Jesus actually claimed to be God in a bod. He did not claim to be a great moral teacher. He claimed to be the creator God. Next week I'll show you how. Show you why Jesus has to be either the craziest lunatic ever, the most devilish liar ever, or God. He didn't leave us any other options bottom line guys here it is if Jesus walked out of his tomb on that Easter morning he was right I mean if Jesus walked out of that tomb on that first Easter morning there's a God case closed and if Jesus walked out of that tomb on that first Easter morning then the way to God is through Jesus only case closed which means and here it is this is kind of interesting which means that Christianity is the only falsifiable religion in the world. It's the only religion that can be proved false, proved wrong historically. All you have to do is prove that Jesus didn't walk out of that tomb. And on the other side of it, Christianity is the only religion in the world that can be proven right historically if you can demonstrate that Jesus walked out of that tomb. Now I know guys, I can't prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus walked out of that tomb and you cannot prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that he didn't, <coughs> excuse me. But it is not a, a coin toss. The evidence for the resurrection is formidable. We're going to get there in a couple weeks. And Bottom line, it takes more faith to accept, to reject the resurrection of Jesus than it does to accept it. And if Jesus rose from the dead, there's a God. And if Jesus rose from the dead, you better listen to him, right? See, Christianity is different. The only falsifiable religion in the world. You can pick at other religions, guys. But the thing we're part of, this Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. It's the most important thing for any man, woman, and child anywhere for all the time. Christ died, he was buried, and he was raised. And Paul goes on to say a little bit later on, if he wasn't raised, your faith is delusional. And you're still in your sins, you're host. He says if our hope for Jesus is good for this life and only this life, then we're pitiful. We're a pitiful people. But flip it around. What if Jesus did walk out of that tomb? Then the reverse would be true, would it not? Then without Jesus, we would be lost. And without Jesus, we would be pitiful. Because he's God, guys. He's God. And he's good. See, Christianity is not at its heart just a religion. It's not just at its heart a philosophy of life. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's not a theory about God, some different way to think about God. Christianity as is at its heart something that happened in history. It's an event. God became a man. We killed him. God raised him. If that didn't happen, we're fools. If it did happen, the definition of foolishness would be to refuse to bend your knees because he's God. About a hundred years ago, a brilliant atheist by the name of William Ramsey decided that he was going to expose Christianity as a fraud. Okay? He was going to debunk the Jesus story by a meticulous examination of the historical and the archaeological evidence got his PhD in archaeology from Oxford, committed his life to discrediting the New Testament stories historically. If they didn't happen, it falls on its face, right? Decided to focus on the book of Acts because there's more history in the book of Acts than all the other New Testament books. (laughs) His story is like that of so many others. When he actually examined the evidence, when he actually dug into the history, when he actually dug into the archaeology, and he was one of the world's best at both, He became a Jesus follower. Stunned the archaeological world. Here's what he concluded. He says, Luke, the guy who wrote Luke and Acts, said he's a historian of first rank. Not merely are his statements as facts trustworthy. He should be placed among the greatest of historians. He says, Luke's story of Jesus and the earliest Jesus followers is unsurpassed in respect to its trustworthiness. See, that's what happens, guys, when people actually dig down and follow the science. Look at the evidence. John asked you to pick up one of these at the worship stations. It's a linchpin. Kind of cool. It's got a snap ring on it. got to be careful. If you've got a big one with a snap ring on it, if you snap it wrong, it'll snap your thumb and you, it hurts. Uh, done it. If you were to look up the word linchpin in the dictionary, you'd find something like this. It's something that holds the different elements of a. Sh- complicated structure together, holds things together, so things that work. Or you can use it metaphorically. It's a person or a thing that's the most important thing that holds things together. In other words, a linchpin is a Jesus. A linchpin is a resurrection from the dead. See, we've been looking at powerful evidences that there is a God and on top of all of those evidences then you've got this Jesus a man who claimed to be way more than a man a guy who kept saying things that an ordinary guy shouldn't say a guy who kept on doing things that an ordinary guy couldn't do and then something happened they actually claimed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead now it's one thing maybe to raise others from the dead you got doctors who come close a whole different thing to predict your own resurrection three times and then to pull it off without help and that's what Jesus did guys the evidence for that resurrection is powerful that's what we're going to be unpacking over the next two three four weeks and there are people who scoff they cheat they say he couldn't have raised from the dead because that would be a miracle you can't bet your life on a miracle can you And if there is no God, scoff on. Why not? But the evidence for a God is overwhelming. You've got to at least admit the possibility. And if there's a possibility that there's a God, you have to admit the possibility of a miracle, right? I mean, if you have a God and no miracles, you've got a puny God. That doesn't work. So the real question is not, could the resurrection have happened? The real question is, did it? happen will the preponderance of the evidence point to the resurrection of Jesus will it take more faith to accept the resurrection or make more faith to reject it as a myth because guys if it happened the biggest question ever is answered is there a God yeah case closed And if it happened, the second biggest question is answered too, once and for all. Well, what are you going to do with Jesus? (laughs) Rose from the dead, you bend your knees. Guys, you hear stories of people walking away from Jesus all the time. I mean, the stories make the internet and Twitter and they get all excited. So you can find these websites for atheists and these websites for the ex-evangelicals and, They're on there cheering each other on. What you don't hear about on the internet are all the stories of the people who actually started to examine the evidence and they turned to Jesus. And their stories are even more powerful, guys. Lee Strobel, an award-winning investigative journalist who set out to debunk Christianity. His wife becomes a Christian, so he sets out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus historically. (laughs) He didn't. fact he ended up writing books like the case for christ the case for faith the case for miracles the case for the creator case for heaven the case for grace he's a pastor now and a professor of apologetics go figure frank morrison was an english journalist set out to disprove the myth of christianity (laughs) he didn't He wrote an apologetic classic, brilliant piece of work, analyzing the events surrounding the trial, the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Who Moved the Stone, the name of his book? Josh McDowell, this one's pretty funny, set out to write a paper in college, college kid, intending to expose Christianity as a myth. Didn't, ended up writing a classic that so many of us old guys cut our teeth on, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, ended up writing over 150 books laying out the case for Jesus Andre Cole, this one's kind of fun he's a master magician a master illusionist and a master of debunking frauds and hoaxes that was what he does in fact he was the guy who figured out how to make the Statue of Liberty disappear for David Copperfield he was commissioned to study the miracles of the Bible so he could expose them as magic tricks to debunk them as evidences for God and for Jesus. <laughs> Instead, he examined the evidence and became a Christian. Spent the rest of his life spreading the gospel through magic, performing in more countries than any other magician in history. So many guys, powerful minds, who actually examine the evidence, follow the science, and bend their knees to Jesus. Malcolm Muggeridge, a journalist agnostic for most of his life ended up writing books like jesus rediscovered and jesus the man who lives one of the best books on jesus i've ever read c.s lewis brilliant oxford professor of literature at, i mean a uh, professor at oxford and started out as an atheist he began rubbing shoulders against guys like j.r.r tolkien you know the guy who wrote lord of the rings a christian C.S. Lewis ended up as one of the most brilliant Christian apologists of all time. His books still blow you away. Alistair McGrath, PhD in molecular biophysics from Oxford. Started out as an atheist, scientist, ended up writing books like The Twilight of Atheism, a bunch of others. Powerful Christian. Mortimer Adler, philosopher, profoundly influential. Bent his knees to Jesus, finally, at the age of 82. Said he should have done it a lot earlier. Francis Collins, one of the leading scientists in our country today, started out as an atheist, ended up writing books like The Language of God, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief. It's an amazing book. Marvin Olasky, atheist, Marxist, member of the Communist Party, comes face-to-face with Jesus, becomes the editor of one of the best Christian magazines out there. I still get articles from them every week. Anthony Flew, one of the most outspoken atheists of our time. He kept on debating Christians, now he's one of us. Alan Sandage, one of the most respected astronomers of our time, a Christian now. Stunned his colleagues. Jordan Peterson even, one of the best minds of our time. He's either with us now or he's right on the edge see, the question is not, guys, do you like the idea of God? It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. The question is, is He there? Is there a God? The question is not, do you like the idea of Jesus as the Son of God? It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Did He actually rise from the dead? Is that where the preponderance of the evidence points? I can't prove to you that there's a God. I can't prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God. You can't prove to me that there is not a God. You can't prove to me he didn't rise from the dead. But there's way more evidence for than there is against. It takes too much faith to push Jesus away. Now, guys, I haven't had the time to unpack the case for Jesus this morning, but that is where we're going to go the next four weeks. Kind of a teaser. Next week, I'm going to come back. Who did Jesus claim to be really? You see, guys, he either is the craziest lunatic ever, the most devilish liar ever, or he is God in a bod. Those are your options. Not a great moral teacher. In two weeks, well, are all these stories about Jesus reliable? Can you trust them? Did you know that we have more solid historical evidence for Jesus than for just about anybody else in history? We'll look at that. In three weeks, I'm just going to lay out the case for the resurrection. Powerful, powerful case. And in four weeks, we're going to wrap up this whole series that we've been in since January. We're going to look at the impact that Jesus has made on a plethora of different parts of our history. So, what are you doing with Jesus right now? I mean, guys, if there is a God, and if Jesus is God and a bod, And if Jesus came down here to show us how to do life with God, for God, God's way, what are you doing with them right now? Because they are the two biggest questions that anybody will have to answer, and you will have to answer them. I do too, before we die. Does God exist? Is there really a God, a big G God? Not the little gods we mess with. Is there a God who is infinitely holy, infinitely powerful, infinitely smart, infinitely just, infinitely loving, who actually wants to do life with us. <laughs> just two options. He's there or he's not. And the choice you make is going to take you one of, down a, one of two very, very different paths. And it's going to affect your eternity, guys. Question number two. Is that God revealed to us in and through Jesus? Is Jesus God in the flesh? Did the creator actually step into creation in the form of Jesus? Does the eternal transcendent God actually think we have a problem so big that he'd enter into our world and die for us and even stay dead for a couple of days to fix it? I know some of you guys believe it so cool you're all in you're trying to wrap your life around God and you're I hope getting glimpses of life as God intended it how cool is that some of you guys kind of believe it you kind of believe in God you kind of believe in Jesus you don't just really let him be your God you're not actually letting him change your life yet so you've got some work to do guys If there really is a God, and if Jesus really is the Son of God, there is nothing crazier, nothing more irrational than to marginalize Him. Some of you guys don't believe in God or in Jesus yet. For some of you guys, because you've never really examined the evidence. Listen, guys, this is too important. If there really is a God, and if Jesus really is the Son of God, there is nothing crazier, nothing more irrational than just blowing off the evidence. And some of you guys don't want to believe in God yet. And I get it. (laughs) You see, if you bend your knees to Jesus, He doesn't just want to come alongside you. He wants to take over. But He's perfectly wise and He's perfectly good and He's perfectly loving and He's your creator, guys. He knows how your life is going to work best. You can trust Him. He will make your life better for now and for forever. You believe that? We do. So where are you with Jesus? Next couple of minutes, rest of the service and after the service, I'm gonna sit right down in this area. If you wanna come and talk about Jesus, about making him the king of your life, I'd love to talk to you. If you don't wanna come up here in front of everybody, there's an elder praying for you in that room in the back right there, it says prayer room. Slip into there. Or contact us during the week. Send us a note, text, email, something like that. And we'll be glad to sit down and chat about Jesus as the king of your life. It's the most important thing. It's a way to get life started. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we're so grateful for your wisdom, so grateful for your grace, for your patience. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to be people of God. And when we confess Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, give us the courage to stand tall as Jesus followers and live life with a lightness so that people can see a different way and want it. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.
1: about you, but today's been an awesome day for me. I hope it has for you as well. I hope our time together this morning was better than anything you might have found in the Easter egg or in an Easter basket if the bunnies already visited your house. You know, every week we join together to do this. We believe it's an important part of our daily life and we believe that we are stronger when we are together and that doing this together each week helps us do life God's way for God and with God. And I hope that you'll come back next week. We'll be here at 9.30 and 11. We've got a great new Bible Fellowship group that starts at 9.30 and then our lunch that will take place after the 11 o'clock service. And I hope that you'll take that linchpin with you. If you didn't get one earlier, grab one on your way out this morning. Carry it in your pocket. Place it somewhere that you'll see it each day because we believe that the event that took place early that Sunday morning some 2,000 years ago is the linchpin for your eternity and my eternity. And I want to celebrate it and spend it with you. One more song of worship. Let's lift our voices one more time to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for what He's done for us.
0: I speak the name of Jesus over you Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' There's a breakthrough that can happen today. Let Jesus Christ be in your life. Hope to see you again next week. Happy Easter to y'all.